Welcome to the Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Let's cut to the chase. My guest this week is the magnificent inside and out actress, Valerie Bertinelli. We talked about everything from the joys of Elvita to how odd it feels to think kind of nice thoughts about Liz Cheney. I baked her salted caramel chocolate chip cookies, and you should too. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Thank you so much to Valerie Bertinelli for joining me here today on The Secret Life of Cookies. <laughs> I'm here, here in my kitchen. I appear to be in your basement, even though this is a podcast, people should know that she's in a really nice looking wine cellar. <laughs> <laughs> this is my basement to keep us, you know, keep the animals at bay so they're not interrupting us. <laughs> And I will have animals interrupting us. My dog Bosco <laughs> famously is like, I need to go out immediately and right now. Or there's a squirrel about five houses over. He's bothering me. I need to tell you about him. Uh, <laughs> yep, that is the life. We will, there will never be a construction worker within three or four miles of this house without us knowing. Um, but I thank you very much for coming. Um, thank you for inviting me. This is a, this is a treat. Well, it's a treat for me. Um, you are an actress. You are a quote unquote personality. One of my, the most hilarious words used to describe people. We're, we're all are, a personality, really. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to it. Uh, I guess I'm not a personality. <laughs> um, <laughs> and a uh, host of Valerie's Home Kitchen, the Kids Baking Championship. I mean, you have done a lot. You do a lot. And I'm very grateful that you are here today. If you had to describe yourself, though, this is the question. As a, an editor, I'm always like, how do I describe them? And how do you like to be described? A lucky doofus, but informed, not a stupid <laughs> doofus, like half of a doofus. Like the, the, the <laughs> I don't know why I like that word doofus, but yeah, I just always learning and, and grateful to learn. I'm, I, I like taking, I like inputting information and seeing what I can do with it. Yeah, I think doofus is also just, the most delightful word. <laughs> and I think it's sort of like, you know, those words we need to take back. Let's take back doofus and own it. As right. A, you know, because I don't think I'm stupid because that's what uh, I think doofus literally means like stupid or simpleton yeah. or something. I feel like a simpleton, which I think is not a rude word. I am simple. I like the yeah. simple things in life. I like simple ingredients. I like a simple life, not complicated. So I'm going to, a simpleton, the simpleton part of doofus is me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> me too. You know, there's no, I, I don't want to complicate things. My head mm -hmm. is complicated. Inside there, pretty complicated. Oh, oh, it's a tornado <laughs> and a hurricane and a category five at the same time. And I'm always <laughs> trying to shut it down and say, it's okay. Exactly. I have to try and imagine my, my personality heading into the storm shelter and just like closing those doors, like in the Wizard of Oz, those tornado shelter doors. Um, yep. On this crazy little podcast, we talk about food. We bake food. I'm baking one of your recipes today. And we also end up talking a lot about politics because how could we not? And the world around us. So. I'm feeling a lot calmer about politics in, in the last few months. I can say that for sure. And I'm, for you know, sure. I want to be bored by my politics. Let me just say I, that. I don't want to be on stress level 5,000 like I have been for the last four years, mm -hmm. not knowing like, what I'm going to wake up to. 
That's right. No matter, even if I took a nap in the afternoon, what I'm going to wake up to, right? It's, it's, the news cycles went way too quickly for me. I want a nice news cycle where there, uh, there's the same thing happening in a week. Although I must say, the, uh, there's another party in this um, US of A that I love so dearly that is determined to make sure there's only one party and not two, a two party system. And it's not the Democrats, I can tell you that. I mean, they're, they're, Let me see. Wait, wait. doodle. Let me see if I can guess. Who they, Republicans? Yes. <laughs> Y'all, why are you so crazy? Why do you hate America so much? Oh my goodness. And like, why can we just get along? Stop like, with the wackadoodle crazy bull crap. Get off the internet for a little bit, a little bit. And, yeah. and, and do some real research. Go get your Encyclopedia Britannica from 1960. Yeah. Oof. The time I that just, you think, go back to the Encyclopedia Britannica of the time that you thought was so terrific. Uh, right, the fifties where everything was perfect. <laughs> not so no, much. Not so much. And well, if um, you were white, it was perfect. You know. Yeah, if you were white and middle class, things were fantastic. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a but there's a lot of people other. in this world and in this country that need to be treated with kindness. That's exactly right. Um, and I, I was watching a clip of, I you know, there are new names. I there's the that person who left the White House back in January. Thanks to be God. that uh, that um, I heard Stephen Colbert refer to as the semi sentient self tan. <laughs> God, he's brilliant. <laughs> I love him. He I has love him the perfect so words to describe a human being. He does. Yeah, he does. He's a hometown hero here in Montclair. Um, he's ah. one of our one of our locals. Um, but he also makes he he saw me through the. Um, pandemic because I watched him and he made me happy and your Twitter feed saw me through the pandemic as well, and the pandemic and I think it's sort of the the political pandemic mm-hmm. which still is with us yeah have, have you I used always to be afraid to talk about politics you know like oh I don't want to turn off half of you know the people that like me for cooking or like me for one day at a time or like me for hot and Cleveland and and just want to enjoy without having to get into politics and I understand that I get it. I just want to be, you know, take taken away too, and just laugh for a half hour, or you know, watch a good show, or watch a cooking show, and just kind of like enjoy the ASMR about it, or whatever it may be about it, you know, and just watch somebody cook something like we're going to do today. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain point where democracy starts to crackle and fall, and there's a real danger of all every American citizen not being treated with respect and kindness and with equality. That you have to kind of speak up and say, "Oh, uh, mm-hmm. what's happening is wrong, and we need to fix it, and we need to be loud about how wrong it is." Because if we're if we just stand back and say nothing, then the bad guys take over. Right, and you don't want to be that person. And I, I think it's it's brave to be to choose to not be the person who just sits there and lets it happen when you're a public figure. I mean, I can mouth and off all I, I want. lose a lot of followers, you know, and that's okay. It's like that that's fine. I'm a I'm a, a there's a lot of facets to my personality, and part of it is I care about this country and I care about human beings. And if you don't like my viewpoint on that, that's okay, you know. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like you're saying. I love, you know, space aliens and, you know, whatever. And if people don't like that, well, a little weird. You're only asking for kindness. That's it. It's really not a big, you know, apparently it is a big deal. But, you know, you had a 
beautiful tweet this um, uh, uh, this week that uh, about Josh Hawley, the representative from Missouri who voted the only person to vote against hate crimes vote. I mean, a vote against the bill that was to help prevent hate crimes against Asian Americans and the one person. And somehow in his psyche, he was like, this is the right thing to do. Let me show For, how hateful I am. And you wrote, I, I, I wrote this down because it was like poem, a poetry. To the 1,254,000 927 in Missouri who voted for Josh Hawley. Do you feel good now? You happy about your representative? Who hurt you? <laughs> well, I have to think that either they, they bought the lie that, that Mr. Hawley was, you know, spewing to people, the lie that he's going to get in there and, you know, smash the establishment and whatever. He is the establishment. He's the establishment, you know. Yeah. He is elitist. He's an elitist. All these things that people were trying to tell you that are bad, which by the way, nobody's inherently bad. Sometimes they have, you know, habits that need to be changed or, you know, viewpoints that maybe need to be um, thought through a little bit more clearly. But um, none of this is, is bad unless you treat another person badly. And what Josh Hawley is doing by the, by the things that he is blocking, and the same with McConnell, and the same with McCarthy right now. I mean, how dare Kevin McCarthy make me support Liz Cheney, first of all? <laughs> I'm really upset about that. <laughs> Me too. Because I, I don't agree like with that. her policies at all, even a little bit, but at least she's honest, you know, and, and, and speaks truth. There was an insurrection on January 6th. People were killed and they're trying oh. to pretend it never happened. And it's well, you know, ridiculous. You know, you know, I was listening to some of that testimony, Valerie, yesterday, and it turns out it may not have all been Trump supporters. I mean, like, how do we know they were Trump supporters? Good and great. really- it wasn't Maybe all the Trump flags that were flying. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you probably think you saw that. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> That's the gaslighting. You're so right. Aren't I good? Um, they wouldn't even use the word insurrection. They were like, it was like, they were just acting like any tour group might. I remember <laughs> seeing smoke and, and things and crashed glass and, and policemen being beaten up. What yeah, happened when you to Blue to Lives Matter? Tell me about that. Where's the Blue Lives Matter people, people now? They were is it ye yelling terrible epithets at African-American police officers. Oh, um, God. Can we make cookies and make ourselves feel better? <laughs> exactly. When you went... <laughs> I get so angry, uh, and I try not to get angry. I try to think of a way to... Um, you know, work the problem. So it's work the problem, you know, stop getting angry. And just like, there's a logical step about how you can work any problem in your life, supposedly. <laughs> I haven't figured it all out. <laughs> um, but it's hard not to get emotionally angry because there, you know, anger is, is fear or grief um, trying to, you know, protect fear or grief. So anger gets mm -hmm. involved. Um, so I'm afraid that our country is going to be destroyed by some people. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad that there are actually people that vote these people into office and don't know the truth that are, that are being mind warped by certain, you know, entertainment channels that are nowhere near a, a news channel, but they, they are purely there for entertainment and to make the Murdoch's money. So. Mm -hmm. It's very, very easily cut, very cut and dry right? Mm -hmm. that, that's the way that is. 
I had had used to have a blog a while back, but there was a uh, like food blog, and I've always written about food and whatever. But something happened to me in the, you know, everybody was baking during the pandemic. And so I started baking again, but sometime before the election, I realized um, that I was baking more. And so I started, to, I did a countdown to the election with chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> and every Yum. day it was, it was a great time for it to be my neighbors, uh, to be in this house. Um, and I would come up with different chocolate chip cookie recipes every day um, because I felt like we needed that focus. I needed that focus um, to be yeah. creative and sort of soothe our way towards the election. There was also a week where I did pies and um, someday I'm, I'm going to do a month of layer cakes, but I had to take a little break. Take a little break. Yeah. Um, so how many different ways can you make chocolate chip cookies? Okay. I mean, well, I know there's the crispy and then there's the cakey. I'm, I'm, I prefer crispy or sometimes a little bit of each, but how about well, you? The crunchy. I can't tell you how many times I type the words crunch, chewy, crunchy. I love it. <laughs> um, there is also like the super flat. There's the crunchy that isn't the super flat. Then there are all the different flavorings. I worked with almond flour. I worked with hazelnut flour. I did a hazelnut, hazelnut flour. Ooh. Hazelnut flour, if you haven't used it, is magnificent. And it isn't overpoweringly nutty in the same way that almond flour isn't. Just adds a little bit of that sort of warmth and nuttiness that hazelnut does. And then I put a big, I put chocolate chips because cookies. And I put a big blob of Nutella on them. Oh, yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. They were, they were, as my British husband would say, quite nice. Um, <laughs> So to come across your salted caramel chocolate chip cookie, um, I was like, I hadn't really done much with caramel. I'd sort of browned butter to make a caramel base for the cookie, um, but never actual. Same flavor. Mm -hmm. And so your, these, um, I have a, I've made the dough already because, you know, this is sort of in a sense radio and nobody really wants to hear my um, stand mixer, mixer going. <laughs> so I could recreate the noise if someone would like me to. <laughs> um, but I've made your salted caramel chocolate chip cookies and they have, um, are a lovely crunchy. I've made some already. Here they That's are. That's what I love is the crunchy. Oh, here's some ASMR. <laughs> I heard that. The, that so I'm curious what kind me. of caramel to use because when I when I was first developing the recipe and I was um, going through it in my own kitchen, um, I used I wanted to get like the most real caramel, the caramels that I used to love growing up and everything, and I would chop them up and I put them in. But uh, maybe I should send you the picture if I can find it because this is years <laughs> ago. But um, I, something happened, and I'm I'm still learning about baking. But they, it almost looked like little turtles because all the caramel totally <laughs> melted out and became these really crispy edges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing so it depends her. on the caramel that you use, but sometimes those crispy edges, they, they didn't photograph very well, but boy, did they taste good. That's exactly right. And what people can't see is with my deliciously browned cookie, some of it oozed out of the side and some of it stayed intact in the middle. So all I used were the Kraft Caramels that you used to unwrap it as yes. some a Twitter follower said, my grandma had those. And I was like, yes. And they They're taste the best. Yeah. exactly the same. And I spent all time wrapping them, uh, unwrapping them. And then I used, and I started cutting them with a knife and that was tedious. And so I used kitchen scissors to snip them and Smart. finger. So oh. that was never. Um, 
if you don't cut yourself in the kitchen, you're not cooking. But sure. I did that and it was um, really quick and easy. And so these have three cups of flour in them, which is a little more than the normal recipe for chocolate chip cookies, which helps to make them kind of gives them that crunchiness because it's the next ingredient is more brown sugar than white sugar. Mm -hmm. So we get that nice crunchy and also it boosts the vanilla flavor because these cookies smell so good. They do. They're like intense vanilla. And then you get that caramel kickback. It's a caramel yeah. kickback. Do you say caramel caramel or how do you say it? Caramel caramel. Is that, caramel. is that a Delaware thing? Caramel? Caramel, I think caramel. so. I say, I, I've never I say, quite given it three caramel. No, I have never caramel. given it three caramel. It's always been two. New Jersey. I don't think I there's think, any you know, right or wrong way. I mispronounce words all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. It's just, and it's I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Because with I'm so it busy too. reading and I don't, you know, I, it, and sometimes I'll look up how to say it. God bless the internet for that kind of stuff these days where you can pronunciation, please. But yeah. And it just talks to me, the internet. Is it talking to you too? No, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you make these cookies. I um, couldn't find caramels immediately when I was in the supermarket, but I did a spy. Um, so I, I did go a little off track. Some Snickers bars. <gasps> Get out. Yeah. What a great uh, idea. And so I um, put those in my basket. Then I found the caramels and <laughs> I forgot to take the Snickers out of my basket. So <laughs> I arrived home with them. I cut some of them up and put them into the cookies too, to see what happened. I want to try bad. that so bad because I love nuts in my chocolate chip cookies. My favorite chocolate it's, chip cookie of all time are the famous Amos cookies back in, uh, in the 1980s when he still mm -hmm. had that shop on Sunset Boulevard. My favorite. And he only made them like really tiny. This, and, but they were that perfect crunch with big chunks of walnut, big chunks of chocolate in there and yep. not that much dough. They were so delicious. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of nuts in my cookies. Sometimes I think it sort of interrupts my flow, but the little bits of peanuts in here, really good. Marissa, I'm so of trying course, that. <laughs> caramel and nougat. Um, yeah. So anyway, I mixed it all up just like a, your basic chocolate chip cookie recipe. And I have the dough here and it's lovely. It's a lovely dough. And I'm just rolling them. And I'm the, the trick at the end is then to put a little bit of sea salt on them. Right. Which I hesitated to do only because... Um, we kind of oversalted our caramel for a few years there um, in the mid aughts, mm -hmm. you know, it was salted caramel, everything, but you know what? There's a reason there was because it tastes really good. Sweet and savory really together are amazeballs. So, you know, totes, it's totes amazeballs. And <laughs> um, I have to say, if you, you just have to do a little pinchy thing, you know, yeah, just a it's little sprinkle. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it and adds that little... Mm, at the end or in the beginning, I went, listen, when I eat crackers, I'll look at the salty side and that's the side I put on my tongue. You so. eat it like you do like sushi where you're supposed to put the fish on your tongue first. Yeah. But I do the salty part of the cracker. <laughs> you do the salty part of the cracker. <laughs> I love me some salt. I love me some salt too. Um, what is this? What crackers do you like? I was having a long discussion about crackers with my brother this week because we were going old school. There's and, actually, I love the old school. I love um, uh, wheat thins, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. wheat thins taste really good with a tin of smoked clams. <gasps> it's like one of my favorite snacks. Wheat thins and smoked clams. Lovely. Like, 
you can travel with that snack. I oh like yeah. That. Well, I don't know because there's so it depends on which city you're at. The TSA is different in every city. I'm starting oh. to find, you know, it's been a year and a half since I've traveled now, but um, yeah, I travel uh, and tomorrow. I, also, I love the new smokehouse, yeah. the smokehouse rice crackers, smokehouse almond crackers, smokehouse pecan crackers. Those are amazing. Well, I have not seen those and I must those find really those because those would be delicious. They um, are. I was going old school with Ritz crackers and I had a moment this, I don't want to brag because you're incredibly famous personality and um, <laughs> Emmy award winner, Golden Globe, so all sorts of awards, right? But I received an honor this week that not that many have received, which is I was followed on Twitter by Velveeta. <gasps> That's amazing. I mean, I'm sure if I mention it here, I could probably get them to follow you, Valerie. So, oh, you know, oh my just God. remain cool. I'll follow them. Oh, please. <laughs> Is there anything better than Velveeta? No, there isn't. And that's I mean, maybe like American cheese. I love a good, and when you buy the American cheese, you have to buy it not individually wrapped. You have, you have to, to buy, buy it sliced. It's sliced. It's not individually, and, and because the individual wrappers just get in the way. They do. And there's always that yeah. risk that you're going to not take the plastic off and you're not going to know the difference. <laughs> I'm looking up the crackers right now to make sure that I told you the right, um, because these crackers, I order them online all the time because oh. sometimes they don't have all the flavors in the market. Mm. That's so, so sad. Right now and I want to show you it is. I grew up in a house where um, my mother was a, a bride of the fifties. And so she learned to, she had me much later in her life. I just want to point that out, but um, a bride of the fifties and she um, cooked a lot with convenience foods. And I mean, Velveeta has been around since the twenties. Has it really? Um, yeah. They just celebrated their hundredth anniversary. Um, and she made a hamburger casserole or well, cheeseburger casserole that was Velve slice Velveeta on the bottom, ground beef and tomatoes and like tomato sauce and occasionally green peppers, which we made real quick. And sometimes canned black olives, which we also were like, don't do this. <gasps> That's one of my favorite ingredients. Espe <laughs> you, oh, you yes, especially my cacciatore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. Because my mom did it. You know, that's what we like. We like what we grew up on usually. That's that's our, you know, and then we pass that on. That's exactly right. And my my question for you is, so I grew up in this hamburger casserole that three layers. That sounds amazing. Bottom, middle, and top of Velveeta. And the Velveeta would bubble and she would let it cook a long time. And it would turn black on top. But that was kind of its charm. It would puff. And underneath it was molten Velveeta. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, That's like a the, the best version of hamburger helper cheeseburger edition. Exactly. Totally, totally true. And so that's why it was an honor for me to be followed by Velveeta because it's such an important part of my childhood. But like you grew up in a fairly Italian food-based household. What was yes. like your birthday? Well, my dinner? mom is English, was, bless her, bless yeah. her heart, um, was English-Irish. Um, and then my dad, all Italian, uh, Northern and Southern from, from both. Oh, um, good. You had the best parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I, my grand, gra my grandmother and my dad's side of the family definitely did not want my mom in the family for number one, she wasn't Italian. Number two, she was Protestant. Oh, which right. I don't understand all that, by the way, what's it? Protestant and Catholic are like the same thing to me, but don't get me. Yeah. I'm sorry to all of the people that are different. And um, right. I'm just saying it's, it's a religion. It was Henry the eighth guys. It was, he did it for divorce. I'd never have understood why people get so, 
Bershmodel about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all based on the same book anyway. Right. Right. So, um, so I think my mom became such an amazing Italian cook that that is what won them over finally. I mean, she was only 17 when she married my dad. I, I can't, that just still boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Then had a baby and then had another baby, then had another, you know, just kept out. And then in the meantime, kept hanging out with my aunts, my dad's sisters and my grandmother and, and became really, really, really good at making Italian food. Her lasagna, her risotto, her um, polenta, everything she made. She could also make a, a very mean roasted chicken, like really excellent. I think she did that at least a couple of times a week. I mean, she had to cook for four kids and her husband right. every day. The kitchen didn't have a microwave. That was her office. That's what she did. I found the crackers, by the way, they're blue diamond, <gasps> nut thins, and they're amazing. I hope I didn't give away too much. No, okay. I didn't give anything away. <laughs> but they're um, nut thins and they're delicious. They're, they're, they're crispy. They're great with red wine, white wine, cheese, you know, charcuterie. I love them. And they come in a bunch of different flavors, like cheese. Oh, oh that was kitty. That was my cat. Calvin decided he wanted to help with the cookie baking. So there wait you a go. minute. Your cat's name is Calvin. Yeah. Oh my God. I had a cat named Calvin too. Oh, because I used to love Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, of course. That's where Calvin came from. Oh my God. He's beautiful. He's, he's a very sweet cat um, found on the streets in Edison, New Jersey. So he and his brother have the middle name. One is Alva and the other is um, Thomas for Thomas Alva Edison. Um, I love Calvin, And he has a super fluffy brother named Clyde. Oh my God. How many cats do you have? Just two. How many cats do you have? I'll look away. You just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, uh, six. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And one beautiful, sweet dog, little Luna. She would, Luna was here first. And then I started fostering. I fostered two cats for my parents. And then when they passed, what, I'm going to send them to a shelter? No, No, I took the cats. So, and now they're turning out to be Wolfie, my son's cats. Cause he comes over almost every day and hangs out with them. And sometimes he actually takes them for sleepovers <laughs> and we'll hang out with them. It's the sweetest thing because my, uh, my four cats that by the way, were raised with these two other cats, but then they live with my parents for five, six years. They're still a couple of them are like mm, to them. <laughs> so I have to keep them separated at night. So nobody gets hurt. So then when Wolfie takes them for a day or two, it's kind of like a nice break for the kitty cats and they love Wolfie adore him. So, and he doesn't, he doesn't want them full time. Well, he can't right now because he's oh, so okay. busy working and um, he's about to, he's, his album's about to drop on June 11th. So he's booking tours and he's very, very busy. But when he has time, he's like, can I have the cats for a couple of days? <laughs> like, yes, of it's, course. Well, it's therapy for everyone, you know, yeah. them and your son. Um, yeah. That cats just are good that way. Dogs too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have this big fluffy um, dog named Bosco here who turns out to be like, made up of like six different dogs and he just looks like a giant black um golden retriever oh and he's laying somewhere now just shedding i think that's really what he does (laughs) he's professional well you Um, know nothing's going on around your house because he's quiet so that's good that's right there are no construction workers within five miles um your son is launching or a new uh debuting an album on in june and you have been uh, promoting it beautifully online it's magnificent 
Thank like you. it's fantastic. Thank you. I'm just, I'm so proud of him. He, it, it's been a long time in the, I mean, it, it, it was going to be released two years ago, but when Ed got really, really sick, he stopped everything and just took Carver's pop. So that was a really brave thing to do, I think. But then, I mean, what other choice? I, I can't imagine another choice. Of course, he's going to stay home and, you know, be with his dad and, and spend those years with him, which was, and he's very grateful for that now. And um, yeah, sure I, he inspires he, his music too. For sure. And I mean, Ed heard everything before he passed and absolutely was his biggest fan. I mean, you think I'm a big fan? Ed had me beat even then. I mean, he, yeah, he is definitely looking down on Wolf and, and has this big smile on his face. I'm for sure about that. I'm a crier and that just sort of makes me want to cry. That's so yeah. nice that he got to hear it all, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, in different stages, but yeah, he's heard sure, it through but the entire progression. Yeah. He was there to experience it. I think that's yeah. one of the hard things about parents who decide to go away. You know, we talk about it in my family. My parents have been on vacation for a little bit now, and we really haven't heard from them because we don't like to actually talk about death. Um, and <laughs> that's, well, death know, is always, I mean, it, it may, I hope this doesn't sound crass, but in my mind, death is always easy for the people leaving. It's us left behind that we miss them and we want to talk, text them and talk <laughs> to them and we can't, and they're in a way better place. It's just, we miss the hell out of them. Right. And want to say, look, look at this I've done and this and have, did you know that they have a new kind of, you know, yeah, cracker on the market or whatever? It's just the really dippiest stuff. I think the first time I got really sad about my, I like it hit me that my father had, passed away was um, going to the cheese counter at Fairway, this big supermarket and being like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this kind. I should tell them Yeah. Because cheese, but as I, there seems to be a theme, but cheese was a big deal in my house. Um, Same. Would you, um, you have this message, like a message of being kind to people and being positive. Um, And how have you found, like, is that something that's sort of always been a part of you? Did you find it helped during COVID? Did it come out of like seeing Mr. Evil Trump? Oh, I said, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's not easy. It's, it, I think it must be an innate part of me. It, I think I was born specifically to spread happiness and joy to my parents, first of all, because they were, they were grieving um, a child that had just Aww. passed. So my mom was pregnant with me when their 17 year old, 17 month old um, died. Aww. So I think I was definitely born to, to bring ease to, I think that was my karmic for lack of a better word thing mm-hmm. to do here. And I think that maybe innately that's my default mood go to joy, go, go to, um, Mm -hmm. kindness. Um, and now I'm looking for a way to make joy and kindness really envelop me because a lot of the times I feel like I'm working too hard to be joyful and to be kind. It should be easier. And, um, I want to feel it wholeheartedly through my whole being. I have so much to be grateful for and so much to be full of joy for, but, um, life sucks sometimes. And it really, debilitates me to a point where um, I don't want to get out of bed. So finding that innate part of me that I know is there, that feels joy, that, that wants to be kind. I have to really work to get through all of the pig pens crap to find it and clean Mm -hmm. it all up 
so I can feel it again. And that that's what I'm the process I'm going through right now. And I'm actually writing a book about it because I just want to share it with people. And I want, uh, you know, as soon as I, as I'm finding the ways to find um, joy more easily, I want to share it. I just, I just think we could all be a lot more joyful in this world because when we are kind to ourselves, it's easier to be kind to others. Absolutely. And I think the crazy part, and maybe it's just me, I don't think so, but I think it's very hard for us to allow ourselves to feel joy, like to give ourselves permission. And I yep. don't know why that should be, right? I don't either. And I know I have a lot of guilt because of the life I've been able to build for myself because I've been working since I was 12 years old yeah. and I'm, I'm a bit of a penny pincher. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I'm not stingy, but I am a penny pincher. Right. Um, I'm going to give myself credit for that. And even that, as I said that, it felt like, oh, don't get too big, Val. It's like, I can't even say something nice about myself without slapping it down. Right. You know, and I want to, I want to undo that. I want to, I want to say <sighs> nice things about myself because I've worked really hard to try and be a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it comes naturally to you, but it's, it's just unfortunate that our psyches play this trick on us. That you yeah. can't, you can't just have it. You can't just. Well, I really, that way. I really do. No, it, I want it to. I know it's innately in me, so I want it to come out easier. Um, and I don't want to have to work so hard at it. Sometimes, sometimes it right. does come out easier, but um, it should be easier to to be kind. And yet, it's a lot easier. And I can only use driving as an example. When I'm driving, <laughs> I want to teach everybody on the God blessed road how to drive because they don't drive as well as me. That's so true. I, you know, I, you know, I have the same problem and I live in New Jersey. That's, it's a real issue. There are a lot of people California is pretty bad too. (laughs) They keep saying that everyone's moving away from California, but the 405 and the 101 do not say the same thing. No. And you know, a lot of people don't know the same rules of the road that I do. Right. Right. (laughs) Lower traffic Um, move. Right. I just want to say that out loud. If you're driving more slowly, move to the right, get out of the left lane, just get out of it. It's not nice. Also, it's not nice to hog the left lane if you're going to go slow. No, and Stop also it. for any of our listeners who may be listening to this on the New Jersey Turnpike or the Garden State Parkway, I'd like you to know that you're not supposed to pass on the right. Yes. It's going to cause an accident. Yes. Okay? <laughs> Nobody sees you. We're not looking yes. for you. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> Please. See, the roads would be so much better if we could teach everybody. <laughs> <laughs> put out videos for everybody who drives well i'll give you a cookie (laughs) oh my god in the 80s they used to at these um novelty shops that used to be in the mall they used to have these little placards that have that had these signs and i (laughs) one one of them is like turn on your blinker turn your blinker on (laughs) or um move to the right you're going too slow i i had one of those in the 80s Man, I always wanted, I thought that like now that technology is so great, we could create these things now or create like paintball splatters for cars that have done us wrong. So it's not like a permanent thing. It just sort of marks that car as like- Or teaching people how to mark between, teach people how to park between the lines. It's like, you just took up two spaces. (laughs) Don't do that. No, park between the lines. It's not that hard. I don't care how much of a rush you were in. You're being rude. You're, you're being selfish. Stop you're being, being selfish, selfish when you're parking. 
Um, and you know, that's one of those things where I had to sort of say to myself, now, Marissa, you don't know why they were driving that way. They, maybe they are going, um, they've just had a terrible bit of news and they're in a hurry or, or they're um, an oncologist and they're rushing to the side of a patient or um, it's a mother who's just gotten brilliant news and she's just so distracted and happy right now. Right. You're, it, see, you're better than me. No, I don't really, really better. Do, you think, do you think, yeah, I'm so much better. Cause I never really think that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking, but like this idea of kindness and joy to me goes hand in hand, if not like body on body of uh, or some other disgusting analogy with um, my love of food, I suspect probably your love of food, but yes. the same thing happens for me, which is I love food. I like the taste of food. I cook so that I can share food sure. and mm -hmm. I want you to have this experience with me. And yet at the same time, barely mouthfuls go in without sort of, is this okay? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, like how do we, how do we get to a point where food can just be food for food's sake? And I mean, this is comes as we like to say that little voice in my head, comes from a place of blessings, right? Mm -hmm. I have all the food I could want or eat. I do, you know, so. Right, and you want to share. And uh, it is it is specifically the way that, that you show your love. Uh, that's your love language. That's my love language. It's um, I want to share and I, I want people to enjoy it and I want it to be good. God, please don't let there be a hair in it. You know, I want it to be perfect. <laughs> For them, I want there to be just the right amount of salt, not too much, not too little. You know, is it too sweet? Is it not sweet enough? Is it, you know, you want, and we all have so many different taste buds. You know, we don't like all the same things. So, and that's okay. Um, I, I just, that's, that's how I grew up, you know, watching my nonny and my mom and my aunts roll capoletti and gnocchi and homemade bread. And my grandma would stuff it with either Parmesan or jam and then fry it up her homemade dough. It's like, it, that's how she showed me love. That's my great grandmother came to America because she sold enough gelato on the streets and got herself off the seven, off the poverty list after being on for 17 years and got her a ticket and her two kids, my grandmother and her brother and came to America. I mean, I, a week after the Lusitania was sunk, this woman oh was determined God. to get the hell out of Lonzo Todonese as beautiful as it is because she was on the poverty list for 17 years and she just wanted a new life. And uh, food gave that to her. Mm -hmm. It got her here. Why, why does food have to come with so much baggage? Because as women, uh. we are taught to look a certain way, not only act a certain way, but, and then I was in a business that is Ugh. horrifying to young yeah. girls. Um, and I'm still at 61 trying to work my way out of it, um, you know, with my thoughts and what I do to myself. And especially now being in, you know, having a, God, I cannot believe that I have a show on Food Network and I get to cook for people and it's been six years and I don't want it to ever stop. But it's, it's changing my view of food in a way that food used to be my enemy. It was something to be, um, let me go back. It started as food was a way to share love and, and be with a family and enjoy each other's company in the mm -hmm. basement of my Ann Adline's house. It's where we all would meet almost every other weekend. So um, that's how it started. And then you get into this. I got into this business and it was like, hmm, maybe we can get you in a smaller size. Um, boy, you seemed, wow, you just had a growth spurt, didn't you? All those kind of things that they kind of like slyly say to you, meaning you're not right. 
you're not good enough. And I heard that way too often in, um, you know, the years from the moment I was, you know, 12, maybe even earlier, because even my fifth grade teacher pointed at my belly and said, "Mm, you're going to have to watch that as you get older. I'm like, oh, I never even thought about my body until he mentioned it. Someone of authority was like judging me. And all of a sudden, that's all I could see is I'm fat. And I look at, I just posted a picture online um, on my stories on Instagram because that's how old I was, basically, maybe a year older, when this idiot told me I need to watch watch the pooch in my belly. No girl should ever be told she needs to watch her weight, ever. Enjoy your food. Let it nourish you. Let it bring you love if if you want. But now... I'm, I'm developing a different relationship with food to where it brings me joy. It brings me love. I'm not at the weight that I want to be, but I'll get there. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I just, I want to be healthy. I want to be able to climb the stairs to my bedroom in my eighties. You know, that's where I want to be. Yes. I would love to fit in a smaller size, but what the fuck is a smaller size these days? Because fashion, the fashion industry can't get their shit together and decide what size is what. Marilyn Monroe was a size 12. No, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Or, no, she wasn't. Yes, that's what a size 12 should look like. Can we just have real decent sizes? She mm-hmm. was at literally probably a four or a two. That woman was so tiny. But they have messed with our heads purposefully, so I believe. I agree. I'm getting on a rant. I apologize. No, I want that. I am such a rant because I'm so sick and tired of being told you need to look like this. Even skinny girls are told this too. You know what? All the time. We all have different bodies. Let's enjoy them. I wake and up it's... in the morning. I'm able to walk and brush my teeth and go pee and have a life come down and make my coffee, pet my cats, pet my dog. I'm grateful for this body. It has gotten me through so much. I'm tired of treating it badly just because I don't look the way some people think I should look. Right. It's the- and that includes me. I don't want to be this size right now. But you know what? Right now, I'm, I'm going to concentrate on the inside. And my, my hope is that by concentrating on the inside and loving myself from the inside out, the out will then show how I feel. Because I feel mm-hmm. like this body, this is the body I have right now because of all the pain and the grief I've put myself through and haven't dealt with. Once I start dealing with that and find the core of that joy and that love again, the weight will sit where it's supposed to sit because I won't be using food to not feel an emotion, to stuff anything down, to unconsciously right. eat because I don't know what else to do. All those things that we do to ourselves without knowing it, or we're conscious of it, but we do it anyway because we just want to feel better. Yeah. So I'm not going to hate food anymore. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to not treat it the same way I used to treat it and love it again. And that's what I'm doing. And then one day my body will follow because I'll continue to work out I get on my Peloton every three days. I'm hoping to one day get every, you know, two days and then every day and then take Sunday off. But I'm working up to that, you know. I, I, it makes me very happy that you are a public figure, a personality. Um, but it makes, me very, it makes me very happy that you're out there to be able to share this message with people. Um, you know, even like y- younger people like younger women need to hear it but I think you know a little selfishly that women of a certain age who feel begin to feel forgotten and just Mm -hmm. like oh you're that blob you know like you don't get known who's walking down the street and you feel invisible and etc etc how nice to be able to take the wiseness that comes with being older and also apply that to my 
one's, I was about to say my, I mean, as projecting, um, one's feelings about one's body and one's place in the world and not basically hide under a moo-moo. Right, right. Which I'm, I'm still working, you know, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's a daily process and it's a reaffirmation every day to either not get on the scale because I know it'll change my um, feelings for the day, whether right. it's, you know, whatever number it may be, it's, it's not going to make me happy. No numbers ever made me happy. Anytime I've gotten on the scale, even when I was 122 pounds and on the cover of people in a little green bikini, that number on the scale still didn't make me happy because then my fear was like, oh God, I'm going to gain it back. I'm going to gain it back. Or, oh, I should maybe lose a little bit more so that if I do gain a little bit back, it won't be so bad. It, I could never, ever be happy in the moment I was in. And that's what I'm re- reaching for right now. Yeah, I think it, we should all like sign our own little pact. We should start today with a sort of a resolve or resolution to be, just accept happiness, you know, yeah. when you where you can get it. And to just, it's true, this idea of, I can't wait to read your book. This idea of being kind from yourself from the inside out. I think it becomes, you know what? It's, this is, I'm gonna sound as, cuckoo is a cuckoo thing on cuckoo day, but let me just go for it. You ready? Um, I think you digest better if you're eating when you're happy. I think the whole process is better. I think for sure. happy calories are better calories. I agree with you wholeheartedly because I think our brains are so powerful. Our brains can control our emotions, control mm-hmm. being a wonky word here. Um, but our brain is very powerful. And um, if we tell ourselves we're ugly, if we tell ourselves we're eating too much or we're eating the wrong thing, our, our body and our heart will believe it. But if our brain tells us um, that we're beautiful and that um, this is a lovely you know, piece of whatever, this pasta dish is going to make you feel so fulfilled and it's going to like satiate you. And you're not only, you know, it's it, it, all of that then will happen. And it doesn't, I mean, I went to, I've been to Italy only a few times. I could go there so much more, but um, (laughs) I didn't even start going to Italy until I was in my fifties, which is shameful um, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Me too. I I should have gone earlier, but I don't even know how with all of the touring I did with Ed in in the eighties and nineties that I never, we never made it to Italy, but um, we went everywhere else. But I, uh, when I go to Italy and I eat, it's purely for the enjoyment of, of tasting the flavor of this culture that I'm in. And there's no snacking. There's, there's no in-between eating. There's just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I didn't care what I ate. I just, sometimes I would tell the chef, whatever you're making, I'm eating whatever you want to bring to the table Uh, because I want to see what they're proud of, what the dish that they're the most happiest to make because they're making it with happiness. I'm going to eat it with happiness. It's all joy. It's all joy. And I never gained an ounce of weight because I was walking everywhere. I wasn't snacking. I was just eating food and stopping when I was satiated. What a fantastic lesson for yeah. all of us. I don't do right? that at home. I did because the world gets crazy and I'm emotional because, you know, I've had a fight with so-and-so or I don't know how to tell so-and-so my feelings and I'm, I'm pushing it down. So then I'm, oh, I better have some snacks and that'll make me feel better. It never does. There's something, you know, that feeling, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had this at one point in their lives or many, many, because I feel this I'm eating 
because I'm hungry. I start by hungry because I try to do that, but then nothing I'm eating is satiating me. Like it's yeah. not filling me up. Why isn't it filling me up? Okay. I don't want this anymore. Maybe I'll try this. No, that doesn't taste right. Maybe I want savory. No, that maybe I want something a little sweet. No, that's not doing it. And I'm till I'm so full, but I'm still not, I'm still hungry because yeah. the food I'm eating, it's not the food. There's an emotion I'm trying to stuff down and not feel and not work through. So if I just work through those feelings, I'll just eat food that I want to eat and it'll taste great because that's the food that I wanted to eat in the first place because I'm not stuffing feelings away. I, that's such um, a great observation because uh, I, I yeah, know. But I haven't, I mean, it's, it's still, <laughs> I, mean I, I know all this, but yet I still haven't put it into daily practice. I put it into practice, but not daily. So, right, but as they say, it's a process. I mean, just being aware of that the next time you start going on that sort of pathway, going mm. down that path, isn't can be enough to help you control that roller coaster. I think the eating roller coaster that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I have stopped eating because I'm hungry. I'm not hungry anymore. But now I'm just famished because my feelings aren't being fed or my feelings aren't being heard. So I need to. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I sometimes I'm able to do it. I'm able to stop myself and go, Oh, what's going on, girl? You need, you need, you need to, you need to, you you know, so yeah, it's, it's better. Awareness is the first step, right? Yeah. I think it's what we have to do. I, um, because I do enjoy food so much and I don't enjoy the anxiety that comes with it. Right. A food isn't the enemy and I'm, I'm not going to make it the Mm -hmm. enemy anymore. It's the way I treat food. It's, you know, just like any human being isn't the enemy. It's the way they treat you or the way you treat them, that, that, that then becomes, um, a point of contention. So food's not the enemy. Yeah. But isn't Marjorie Taylor green and my enemy? Well, she's a really (laughs) shitty person. (laughs) I mean, the way she was hounding AOC the other day, it's like, you're disgusting. And there's nobody in those buildings should have to put up with that stuff. I mean, nobody should be harassing, green and nobody should be harassing AOC. It's absolutely how dare her. And the, um, I, I, even as disgusting, more disgusting. I mean, if we're going on a scale of what's more disgusting today, she, uh, I guess one of the representatives across the hall from her has a transgender daughter and hung out like a flag or put out a sign that was something like pro transgender rights, you know, and human being rights, you mean? Human yeah, rights. Yeah. Remember yeah. them? Um, but Marjorie Taylor Greene decided that this was objectionable and hung up a sign outside her office that said, uh, there are two sexes, male and female. That's science. How, how sad and hateful must her, her heart must like just be so dark and black and, and sad that she feels that she needs to harm someone else who is struggling just to, just to have an identity, just like, why do you care? Why do you care? They're not hurting you. Why do you care? Let them just have a life. I mean, it must be so hard to come to terms with, I was not born the sex that I'm comfortable I, I, I need, I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we be supporting that person so they, they can become the most true authentic person they can be to make the world a better place as yeah, opposed why to someone do I who... want to trash their happiness. 
why? Why are you so miserable that you need to hurt other people? Why? I don't, I don't, I'll never, I'll never understand that. I mean, the depths of some of those people and, and the, the cruelness and the um, horror that they want to inflict on other people is just mind boggling to me. And I, I, my immediate reaction is anger. And then I get really sad for them because how sad must their lives be that they feel comfortable doing that to another human being. I'm, I'm bewildered by the ability of these people to have be so openly callous and cruel, mm. it's cruel for those people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like those people who made me like Lynn Cheney. Um, uh, yeah, I know. So that actually then does give me hope that, you know, anybody- Liz um, Cheney, sorry. Yeah, anybody that, um, you know, sticks to their truth, their, their, um, that isn't hateful about it. Um, their truth becoming about themselves. I mean, there's a, there's a way to find a common ground with them, but not when you're constantly and consistently hateful and mean to other people. I don't, I, I'll never understand it. Think of the truth that we're holding Liz Cheney up for upholding, which is, I'm, she was saying that the election was honest. And that's what we're, we're like, yay, Liz Cheney. Right. You believe that it was a fair election. Yeah. Right? Well, I believe it was a fair election until I start looking at some of the things in Kentucky and some of the stuff going on. But you know what? That's why I think we need, we definitely need a voting rights act that where I don't understand why. And I know states have their rights and I understand that and I get it. And I think that's good. Um, I, I just think that between Dominion voting machines that did work correctly, they worked perfectly yeah. fine. Uh, um, but then there's this e this other voting machine that was in a lot of the Southern states that there was some crazy stuff happening a little bit. Now, I, I, I there's not enough facts and everything for me to then actually say the name of the company, but I just don't understand why we can't, if we're going to have electronic voting machines, which are a little scary for me anyway, ha mm. back them up with paper ballots just so we can be sure. There's Maybe use one kind that. of machine, one kind of machine. And open up more polling places so people aren't standing in line forever. Make voting easier. There, there's no, I mean, aren't we a democracy? A Apparently. That, uh, that's, you want, we don't want to be like some of those other countries where they make voting hard for people. Mm -mm. I mean, Jimmy Carter used to go around the world making sure that there were fair and free elections all around the world. And I remember, you know, he, he made great inroads in this. We need to do that here now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine that we're talking about that. That it's I hard can't. To imagine bring, we're talking about America. It is mm -hmm. the fact that I can't bring a bottle of water to someone in line in Georgia. I mean, who like sits up at night thinking? <laughs> I mean, like twiddling people that know they can't get elected the free and fair way. People that think they instead of changing their policy so that it becomes more popular, they're just going to make it harder to vote. How about? Maybe making people want to vote for you, having some policies where people want to vote for you. That might, I mean, they call me crazy. <laughs> That's a crazy idea there, you got. Um, it's been a true pleasure to have you here. I could talk to you about this because I mean, we still have like Paul Ryan to discuss your lovely tweet this week. Paul oh. Ryan is still horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let, let's not forget that. And you also had this wonderful, tweet about um 
Why do people think California is liberal? We have Kevin McCarthy and Devin and Nunes. Nunes. I mean, guys, we're giving you the bottom of the barrel. We're not as liberal as you think we are. We are. Un- unfortunately, we're not. I wish we were. And I don't care if you call me a bleeding heart liberal or whatever. Yeah. You know what? Mm-hmm. I want life to be better for people. You know, kill me. Sorry. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Call oh. me crazy. I want people's lives to be better. Um. Me too. And it's going to start with these cookies. <laughs> Which I'm so looks- jealous. I can't be there to try one. I love I've- that you put Snickers bars in there. Yeah. I think just in the top of this one, you can see some of the melted caramel and <gasps> a little bit of a little bit of nut there. Um, that is gorgeous. I'm so trying that. So trying that. It's so good. Cause it's peanut butter nougat. I mean, let's remember all that we're getting in a Snickers bar. Um, the next thing I want to make of yours is your lemon icebox cake which is layers of wafers and like mascarpone and lemon curd. And it sounds like super easy. Someday it'll be 80 degrees here and I'll really want to eat that. So that sounds like, that sounds like joy. Yes, it is. I mean, anything with lemon makes me so happy. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to a new season of um, Valerie's Home Kitchen. Valerie's Home Cooking on on, on Sundays. That's that's cool. Yes, it's on Sundays. Um, The new season just started. We kicked off with, (laughs) I had Wolfie and his girlfriend, Drea, on the show, which was a lot of fun. Um, And um, this this Sunday, well, I I guess it doesn't matter. I don't know when this is going to air. But yes, every Sunday on Food Network, it's uh, my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite job. What are you cooking this season? Oh, gosh, this season, I'm making some amazing sandwiches, amazing pastas. I bake uh, pretzel bread at some point. Ooh. It's super easy. I can show you. I, I, I have this fear of bread too, because uh, during the pandemic, first of all, I couldn't find any um, yeast mm-hmm. anywhere. Finally did. <laughs> um, but it's so easy. But I still, I'm going to try and tackle sourdough too at some point um, in the next, I go back to work in about three weeks for our 13th season, our 13th season. Um, so the season 12 is airing right now. And I'll be I, back. I can't wait to see the episode on sourdough because I feel the same way. I want to uh, make it work. You yeah, know? me too. I so killed two it, starters. They made great crackers, by the way. Oh, starter dough. When you have to take up some of the starter to replace the flour, use that mm-hmm. leftover starter dough to make these amaze balls crackers. So really? That was the one good thing that came out of me killing the starter, except now I don't, I can't make the crackers. It is like having another pet in the house though having us started. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much. And here's to um, Wolfie's new album coming out. I look forward to hearing it in its entirety. You're going to love it. I love it. Thank you to Valerie Bertinelli for joining me today. What a true pleasure. You can find my recipes and you can also find her recipe on my website, marissarothpuff.com. You can find hers on valeriebertinelli.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Marissa Rothkopf. And if you'll be so kind, please leave a nice review in the Apple Store. Stay safe, eat cookies, and talk to you again next week.